Hey, what's going on, everybody? Steven Christopher here, founder of Wit Digital, with my friend, Tersh Blissett, uh, the owner of Service Emperor, which was previously Icebound, and uh, who has been in the HVAC industry since Cinco de Mayo of 2005. And Tersh, uh, Tersh is awesome. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and Tersh runs an amazing podcast that helps so many. I know, at least for me, a lot of times I get calls for people, for home service companies that are looking for digital marketing. And when I ask how they heard about us, they say, this guy's podcast. So uh, Tersh is doing a ton of great stuff. And I think today, you know, this is gonna be released on all kinds of platforms. So maybe you're listening to it on Tersh's actual podcast. Maybe it's on YouTube, maybe it's wherever. But uh, I had the idea the other day when he and I were talking to interview him about being a virtual home service company because it's prior to coronavirus, there wasn't very many people thinking about running a virtual home service company. And now I have a feeling that there's a lot of people out there saying like, okay, wait a minute, how do we become even just a little bit more virtual or, and I think probably on the tail end of this, there's going to be a lot of people saying, okay, I, I need to just create a more virtual company that's sustainable through times like this if we ever go through anything similar. Um, so that's kind of where this was born from was uh, flip the tables on Terse a little bit and ask the master who has mastered creating a virtual home service company how he did it. Because I think there's a lot of little things that when you look back, you don't even know that maybe you did. Um, and so that's our objective here today. So. I don't know, I guess, Tersh, welcome to your own show. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. No, honestly, I, I thank you for taking time out of your day because, you know, you could be doing something else, like running your your company that's extremely successful uh, and uh, and taking that time out and, and interviewing us and, and interviewing me and so that we can share with the audience, basically, what's worked for me and what, what hasn't worked for me and... Uh, like you said, we were talking the other day and there were a lot of things that I'd forgotten that I even did because I just, it just came so natural pain points that people are having right now. We figured those out two years ago. Um, and prior to, you know, two years prior to that, I have another HVAC company and I wanted that company to go virtual. I had a business partner. I have a business partner with that company and he wasn't really interested in that. So I had already started ideas and I, I thought of things that could make us more efficient back in 2014. And so um, a lot of that stems from all of, all of that. That's awesome, man. Well, I think one of the most important things that I heard you say when we were kind of prepping for this was um, you were intentional. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think what, people might generally think right now, especially in the home service industry, is that it's always been done this way. You've got to have a big shop. You've got to have a warehouse. You've got to have somewhere to, for people to come. And that's the mindset that pretty much everybody in the industry has. And when I asked you, you know, why, why did you do this? Um, I mean, your answer pretty much was like, well, we, we, we desired to do it. And so then we were very intentional about it. So um, talk just for a minute about, about that. So originally, okay, I just, 
with Icebound and and now what is now Service Emperor, we always knew that we wanted to be virtual. And over time, I've worked and I've created a plan to where we can stay we can stay remote and virtual uh, to about the eight million dollar mark. And I think we can go further, but um, there's a few hiccups that I'm sure technology will have solved by the time we get to that point. And so like every time there's a decision that's made, it's, there's never, there's never one of those situations where you're like, all right, fine. I'm just gonna get an office so that, you know, we don't have that problem anymore. It's, it's just, okay, well, how do we figure it out? It's just, it's like we burn the, burn the ships. The, the, the office isn't even an option. We're not even thinking about having an office. Uh, it's always very intentional. Like you're, we're going to be remote and that's it. That's awesome, man. And I think that's, you know, that's important everywhere in business and in life, right? Like yeah. anything is possible if mm-hmm. we really desire to do it. And so I, I think that's just a really great message of be intentional, burn the boats. Like we are a virtual home service company period, and we will find a way to solve every problem. So starting with that mindset is, is huge. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times people will say, uh, nobody will come to work for me if I'm, if I don't have a workshop, if I don't have a warehouse. And I had a friend of mine, that guy that I actually got icebound from, uh, he had a 2,500 square foot workshop, a, a warehouse, and he leased that uh, because he didn't think that no anybody would come apply for the job. Nobody would come work for him with, you know, with him not having it, with him working out of his house, working out of his garage and not having a workshop. And, and come to find out, not much changed other than having to pay $2,500 a month for a, a, a warehouse. Uh, <laughs> he still didn't have a lot of guys coming to beat down his door, you know, to come work for him. Still had the same struggles. Uh, and uh, I truly believe that that's more of a, a mindset issue uh, than it is like as an owner is their internal issue more so than somebody that comes to work for you. And like but flat out, I just tell the, tell our team, you know, we don't have to pay $2,500. So guess who gets that $2,500? You do, you know, mm-hmm. we get to spend that money more on you and, and building our culture. I love that. Yeah. It's just like everything in life, right? Like the, you know, kind of, I'm a firm believer that thoughts become things. So if we think we can't, then yeah. we're right. Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I agree. Can, you know what? <laughs> I think that was Henry Ford, right? Whether you think you can or you think you can't either way, you're right. Exactly. So um, that's super cool. All right. Well, let's um, let's get into some of the specifics about how you guys run the business and maybe some of the things that you ran into solved already. And hopefully these will help people that are uh, that are struggling right now that just don't have this information or didn't have a plan in place for dealing with coronavirus and maybe some really cool opportunities in the future to move more virtual. Um, so as I think through kind of the process, I think let's go this way. Let's kind of go through um, from like leads coming in and then we'll go through how do you handle it in the office to how do you handle deliverables to how do you handle some of the logistics that way it kind of flows. So let's start first with the brand of the company, marketing of the company, um, and, and some of those logistics, like how are we getting leads and what issues do some other people think that they might have if they don't have a physical office? Um, so 
have you ever run up against any issues with when it comes to actual customers? You know, do you have some sort of a way that you're communicating that or does it just, not, is it not even an issue? It's not, it's, it's a null point. Um, people are like, well, how about the people that come to your shop? Mm, never had anybody ask me <laughs> where our shop's located. We had one client, the commercial client, because they wanted to deliver a package unit to it. And it was like, just tell us when you're going to deliver it. We'll have a guy on the job site and we'll pick it up on the roof right then. Like we'll schedule, we'll be our work, our schedule around when it's going to deliver to your shop uh, or to your, uh, your location. So other than that, there's, there was no, there's no reason for them to come to our office. Um, sometimes they're like, well, we want somebody that's local. Well, how much more local is the president of the small business chamber of Savannah? Like, we're on the executive board for buy local of Savannah. We are a local company so that you can't say, you know, well, you're not a local company because you don't have a local business, a brick and mortar local business. So uh, we're very active in the, com in the, the neighborhood and the city and everything else. So, I mean, we're seen as, as a very local authority anyways. Um, so GMB, marketing you know you handle a lot of that so you could probably answer <laughs> way more about that than i can but when it comes to the brand it's just you know we're service emperor we're here to serve you know we're here to serve you and uh, as long as we express that that in our marketing you know we geotag savannah and pooler and all that stuff uh, in our marketing aspects and uh then i kind of let you handle the rest of it Awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, we won't get too technical into marketing. The, the Really, the only difference is on Google My Business, you can put an address, whatever address you physically use in order to get it verified. And then you can just mark, uh, hide my address and we serve customers in either these zip codes or this specific radius. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the end of that. <laughs> that's used to, it was very important. Um, but like, as you know, that, that went away, especially once you, you were able to check that box and say, well, we service these counties and these cities or whatever, uh, that kind of nullified people having to get these ghost boxes and like renting these small spaces and stuff. Yeah. So where, uh, how do you deal with mail? Like, I don't know, bills and stuff like that. So we have, uh, first off, we, mainly get electronic emails for most of our stuff. If we have to get something in the mail, it'll either get sent to my house or we do have a PO box that it can go to. So. Okay. Cool. Um, so communicating with customers, it's just really not that big of a deal. Again, I think that's a mindset thing, right? It's mm -hmm. a limiting belief. If you think, Oh, well, customers aren't going to use us because we don't have a physical brick and mortar location. I mean, really they have no reason to ever go to, a local home service company, no, no reason to go to a plumbing or HVAC company. Um, so that's great as far as marketing goes. And then, so we generate leads, we get the calls coming in, um, CSR team. Mm -hmm. How, how do you work with a, a CSR team? Um, yeah. How do you work with your CSR team? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, we use a VoIP system, uh, voice over IP, uh, phone system and it goes to each person's cell phone or, I mean, we have desktop phones that we'll give to a CSR uh, if they would rather use that versus a cell phone and it just hooks right up into their computer and, and 
the phone comes through there. And so as soon as it call, the call comes in, it goes through the VoIP and uh, it, it distributes to each person um, automatically. And it, most people assume that we're just sitting in the office next to each other and they're like, Hey, can you, you know, can I talk to so-and-so? I say, Oh, hang on a second. Let me transfer you over and transfer it. And then it comes to my cell phone and I answer it. And, and it, because it populates as service emperor's phone number, I know that it's the service emperor. So then I know how to answer the phone versus it being one of my friends that calls in. That's awesome. Do, uh, can you share what platform you use in case somebody's interested or do you like so it? There's a lot of them out there. We use Jive, J-I-V-E dot com. Uh, it, it's not expensive at all, but it's got a lot like your, your dial plans. You can set it up so that at this time, this, this person never gets called at this time. It automatically rolls over to this person. It can go to a call center. Uh, if it rings more than three times, it goes to a call center. And so we have some, a couple of redundancies set up in there. Awesome. So one thing that I can hear people saying right now is how do you know, how do you know your CSRs are doing a good job? How do you know they're, they're like actually working and answering the phone in the moment? Like how do you, how do you build connection with them in a normal work day? So similar to the way that we're connecting right now. Uh, so we have zoom set up and we have zoom channels set up. So, uh, the CSRs can have the, the video just basically on them all day. Their microphones on mute. And if they have a question, they can either go in the chat bar and say, Hey, I have a question about this or, um, wave their hand or whatever. And, you know, you can see each other and, and then communicate from there and, you know, get your questions answered, which is really cool because like, uh, that's one aspect of it. So, but we can screen share at that point. And so over the screen share, we're like, Oh yeah, well, here's your problem. Just scroll, go over to there, you know, and then just work through it. And so you're doing a little training at the same time. Uh, the other part of it is every single phone call is recorded. And so, and every phone call has to be, um, set in its, I forget what Julie calls it. It's got to be set in its, its area. So whether this was a spam call or it's uh, a, um, a potential client or a previous client. Hmm. Um, and so it has to be moved around at the end of the day. Um, and so every phone call is listened to at that point. So then you have coaching possibilities going on all day long. Dude, I, when you told me that I was blown away, like, in my mind, I was thinking, I was like, how can you deal with a team of CSRs that are working from you know, home mm -hmm. and your answer of like, oh yeah, well, we just have Zoom. Like when they come in in the morning, they turn mm -hmm. on their Zoom, like they yeah. sit down They're just, it's just like being at work. And yeah. I think there's a really cool level of accountability there too, right? Like it, it would help me at least remember, oh wait, I'm, I'm at work right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, even though I might be at home, like I'm physically here at work. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the other cool thing that maybe it does, and maybe you can elaborate on it. If so, is it creates a, a sense of connection and culture. Cause I think that's one thing we're going to talk about is how do you build a culture in a workplace where you don't get <laughs> as much human interaction? Yeah. But I mean, have you ever had any issues where like when you're hiring a CSR or something like that, where overcoming that, that type of a yeah we get that look um a lot of times it, it's a selling factor for a csr uh before um 
ever, all the schools were closed down and everything. One of the things that a lot of uh, stay at home moms were dealing with was like, I have a solid six hours during the middle of the day that I don't have anything to do other than, you know, keep the house straight. And, um, but I can't keep get an, an eight hour job because it usually takes nine to 10 hours. Well, I can't drop my kids off at school and then go to work and then drop my kid and go pick my kids up. So we used it as a selling tool at, for, to come on board with us. We're like, work from home and then take your 30 or your 15 minute break to go get, to take your kids to school in the morning and then 15 minutes at the end of the day to bring your kids home or whatever. And, or 30 minutes if you needed, you know, a full hour for lunch or whatever. And, um, you know, that'd be it. And then work from home the rest of the time. And so, but now everybody's at home, but, (laughs) and, and even that's not crazy because everybody's learned to deal with, you know, people hear kids in the background. Our kids know that as soon as a phone rings, they're just like, they're quiet. Uh, and that's because they've been trained since birth <laughs> to do that because we've owned the businesses since uh, before they were all born. Um, but, you know, people are just used to hearing kids in the background because they know that all the kids are out of school right now. But even before then, people were so understanding. Like they just they didn't even ask. They just assumed that the kids were the kid was sick and was at home or was at sick and at the office or bring a kid to work day type thing. Um, but so it's never really been a mute point. Only thing that we ask is that, you know, you make sure you have a quiet spot. You can't be setting up your laptop or whatever in the middle of the living room. Uh, mm-hmm. It needs to be you know, like, we need a quiet spot, whether it's in your office, like you have a home office or you're like a corner in your bedroom that you can just be quiet all day long and, and just work. Uh, that's what we ask. We, you know, we don't want you sitting on your bed because then you just start dozing off, you know, that type of stuff. So it's one of those things where we're very intentional with it and it was some trial and error. Uh, you know, we didn't nail it the first time that we did it. And that's the thing about anything new. You're not going to nail it the first time that it happens. So I listened to a ton of podcasts on different uh, companies that were hundred percent remote. And then I was just like, okay, that's a cool idea. I'm going to take that one. And that's a cool idea. Let me do that. And, uh, and so there was this one company that works hundred percent remote and they like everything that we did. Like I just listened to that same episode like four or five times because I was like, Oh yes, I need to do that and that and that and that. And so uh, that's where I got the idea for, of Slack and working um, uh, using zoom and, and all that of that stuff. And then we've even started to pivot towards other programs that for communication that are like a Facebook feed called Ohana. And it's even more builds culture. We'll go into that later, but um, yeah, it's we're very intentional about everything. And then, like uh, Wendy, our our most recent hire, we never we didn't tell her until after she accepted the job that we don't even have an office. <laughs> and she, it was like it was she was just a great fit. Julie was doing the entire hiring process, and uh, we never even had that conversation. She was like, "So, where do I go?" Because we our hiring events, we do hiring events where it's like you know, it could be 10 people in one room and they're one's a service getting hired for a service tech, one's for a CSR, one's for a dispatcher, one's for an installer, one's for anything. And so, um, we're doing that entire hiring event and nobody asked where the office was in the entire hiring event. And, uh, we never said it and it wasn't intentional. It was just like, it was one of those things where like, Hey, we need two service techs and a dispatcher. Um, 
let's do a hiring event. And we got, we got it going and we were just like rolling through it. And I was actually catching calls because we had so many calls rolling in that particular week. And so I like, I left straight from that event. And, um, and so she was like, Oh really? And we're like, Oh yeah, sorry. Do you have internet? Uh, <laughs> And, and so like we get laptops for them. We were like, yeah, we're getting your laptop and, you know, give you a laptop and uh, you just hook it up to the internet and then, you know, go through the process of that. But that was kind of our, our hiccup on that. It's like beforehand we had always had the conversation cause it was so new and it was so like outside the box, even on the hiring um, packet, it was, Hey, you want to, do you want to be, you know, uh, work from home, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we sold that aspect of it more so than even like what your requirements should be. And uh, Wendy, she actually came from another company up in a different area. She moved into town and she actually sought us out because of our reviews and like our culture. She could see our culture online and she sought us out and applied for the job and then did a hiring event at one of our customers, you know, coffee shops. And so she never even came to the shop and that conversation never happened. That's awesome, man. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? How we forget it becomes normal. I mean, just like why we're doing this interview, it's what's normal for you is not normal for ninety nine percent of the other people out there. And you know, one big takeaway on that part that I get out of this is not having an office. You know, you can you can look at the things that you have to overcome by not having you know giving somebody an office address and having them go there. But on the flip side of it, it probably opens up your pool of candidates. Yeah. quite a bit more, you know, like there's literally, you could be anywhere in the country and be one of our CSRs. Yeah. Great point. And, and I was, and I wasn't even thinking that big, but that's, that's a great point. I was just thinking like, like you said, a stay at home mom that maybe only has six hours and then need a, needs a break on each side. You know, those could be some of your best candidates, mm-hmm. but if you have an office and you got to do nine to six or nine to five, you, you don't get access to those people. So one thing that I have found, and if anybody's listening and is considering doing that exact same thing, is you may want to not do um, as soon as they pull in the driveway from dropping off their kids to as soon as they leave to get their kids. You Once all this is all done and all the kids are gone, you may want to truly have them part-time. Hire two people that are working four hours. So like wait 30 minutes after you've gotten home, you've gotten unfrazzled, because usually stay-at-home moms are not used to going straight into work. And so what we experienced is whenever they take that job and it fills that whole time gap up in the middle, they no longer have time to do the things that they did before that they forgot that they had done because it became so natural. So like laundry wasn't getting done. And so we had, we had one girl that was super stressed out because she couldn't mop her floor. She couldn't do her laundry and all this other stuff um, that she had normally done, but she had forgotten that she was doing it during the middle of the day. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would challenge you to like say, okay, well, we'll hire you for four hours and then like slowly transition them into working that. And because you can hire two people at four hours, you know, a day. And then if, especially if you can hire two at the same time and then you can, um, you can test them off of each other. You can watch their numbers and you might have one that becomes a super rock star and, you know, wants to work more. And especially if they get spiffed off of stuff. Uh, and then the other one might say they want to keep it four hours or they might just say, you know, I, I, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. So uh, one thing that I didn't mention, and I don't even think that we've ever talked about this, the challenge that we had 
and a lot of friends. So we're in a small group uh, that I just finished a few minutes ago before we got started um, with other business owners that I lead and they're having to go remote. And we were talking and one of the things that they were talking about that they really had a struggle with was they didn't have a clear org chart. They were at like 20 service techs and their org chart, like when the tech came in in the morning, they would pass something by that person and then that person and that person. And it was just like along the way in the morning, somebody would get it and send it to somebody else along the way. Well, since they're working remote, that, that org chart's not there. There's no, like, who do I talk Mm. to? You have to be, you have to have a very deliberate chain of command org chart. Uh, if you're going to talk to this person, uh, you know, if you have this problem, you need to go to this person. If you have a problem in this department, you need to go to this person. Like if you have a problem with a, with a service call, like the actual call, how it was put in, you wouldn't bring that to me. You would take that to Julie because she's the office manager. She's, she's the admin over like the dispatcher CSR. Um, If you have a technical issue, like there's something inside of our CRM that is wrong you would bring that to me i take care of that for you so having that direct chain of command and who to go to when anything happens that'll save a lot of heartache um we lost employees over it but i forgot about it until our call that we had today like i've forgotten that we had to clear that org chart up and uh so now it's it's top of mind for me (laughs) that's awesome man yeah there's just i bet there's there's gonna be so many little things like that that come up and um you know, maybe after this, you'll get a lot of, we'll get a lot of questions from people. And if they desire, maybe we can do a follow-up. I know, yeah. I know this is fun for me. So let's, uh, let's move down into training. So this kind of, this goes, you know, company-wide, right? So you mentioned the org chart, making sure you have it. So, you, you know, you have your CSRs, office managers, technicians. Um, how, how are you guys, how do you do training? How do you do um, training for, for new, or not. new and ongoing? Yeah, believe it or not, it's virtual online. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we I use we CSRs, use, right? CSRs, that's pretty easy. I get that virtual. You're just kind of doing it over Zoom, going through your training, mm-hmm. having those calls, listening to calls, giving feedback. That, that makes sense. That's relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Um, technicians. Okay, so we, ha- we use the... Uh, virtual reality training platform that uh, you train completely virtual reality uh, and it's called interplay learning. That's the the platform that we use and they can actually, so we have one platform that's that's VR, but it it costs about $2,000 for the computer and the goggles to set it up and everything. So, but, you can still do it in 2D also. So you don't have to have the VR goggles. You can still click on your, your computer. So um, we train people first off up front with that. So we had one guy that was an, an automotive, a diesel mechanic, and he trained for a month. And at the end of the month, he was able to go be a ride along, but be the lead tech on maintenance calls. And so he could do maintenance calls within a month. He was mechanically inclined. He could talk to people. Um, and then, but, yeah, in a month he could he could go make money for me. So um, wow. and and he did everything virtual reality from home. So for that entire month, I paid him to stay home and and train on the computer. And it tracks your time. It tracks how how many tests you've taken, how long you watched the 
video before you took the test, how many questions you got right and wrong, and then how many times you took the test after the fact to get the right answers. Uh, and then you get points on based off of that. So um, we use that a lot. Um, and then so every Thursday is the technician training um, Zoom call. And so one tech has to teach everybody else in the company how to how a part works, how to diagnose it, when you know it's bad, when you know it needs to be replaced, and then, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, and so it, each technician has a, has a round robin over zoom and, and teach us all how to, how to diagnose everything. So the only way that you're going to get up there and not look like a fool by teaching everybody else is you're going to learn how, how it works. So I purposely will pick out a part that I know that they've either misdiagnosed in the past or had trouble diagnosing it in the past, called me for tech support or something like that. And that's the part they're going to teach everybody else how it works. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean the, the best way to learn something is to teach yeah. it to others. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this is outside of kind of the topic of conversation, but it's somewhat in line is um, so many managers teach at people, right? They get, they stand up in front of a classroom mm-hmm. or whatever, show them over and over and over, but they miss out on the fact that the best way to learn something is to teach it. So make sure you have your, you know, you're teaching somebody how to do it. You have them walk you through it and then you have them show you mm-hmm. that they can do it. Yeah, it's it's something. Well, my wife beats into my head all the time, whether her being a nurse uh, and at the hospital, they they're always what is it? Uh, show, teach, and then watch. And so, like they they'll they'll show them how to do something, and then they'll teach them like the aspect of why they did it. This is how we did it. Now you have to show me how you did it, and then you can evaluate. So as she's evaluating, whenever they're doing it, so that's how we do it. So it's the same thing. You're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I did it and I'm going to teach you how I did it. And then you're going to show me how I did it. And then I'm going to evaluate how you did. And if we need to redo the process, then we'll go back and redo the process again. If we don't, if you're good, then good. Move on. Hmm. So awesome, man. Okay. So we got, we got marketing, we got leads coming in, we got CSRs, we got uh, training, now kind of getting into the technician side of things. What about things like, uh, you know, dispatching call board mm-hmm. um, and this next step of getting the technician to the home and actually delivering the, the product? Is, is there anything different there that you guys are doing? Well, you know, that in 2014, that was my hurdle. Like it was, it was going to be, because everything was on your desktop, it was on your server. Uh, you had great programs like Desco and, and, and ESC. Um, but they were all like in the office type programs. And then in 2015, I believe it was 2014, 15 service Titan came out. They were cloud-based, uh, then field edge, which was ESC moved to the cloud and they were cloud-based. And so I was like, okay, that solves that problem completely. Problem solved. But now if you asked what CRMs out there, like you, you can't like you shake a stick there, you're going to hit a thousand of them. Like they're everywhere. These CRMs that are in the cloud, they're all cloud-based. Um, they're, they're ones, no one CRM solves the problem for every single company. So I'll tell you what I'm using, but uh, do know that it doesn't solve everybody's problem. 
And then some other ones that didn't solve my problems will solve your problems. And it's all because of how you run your company. Um, so we just transitioned from Service Titan over to ThermoGrid. Service Titan's a great, great, great program. Uh, but ThermoGrid just had a few more features that were that were more great to us. <laughs> the best way to say it. Uh, and so we swapped over to ThermoGrid. And it literally, your your recorded phone call between your CSR and the client that they talk to is loaded to the service call. So the, that phone call, the, ter- the service tech, before they go to the house to be dispatched, or as soon as they're, before they're dispatched to the house, they listen to the phone call and they're like, oh yeah, okay, I understand what's going on. It could be, it's even, like that feature makes it so that you can even better understand what's going on before you even get out there and the the dispatcher may have written it down completely different and that happens all the time where they don't know they're not a service tech service expert they don't know what to write down in that scenario so they're like um yeah so that's actually not what happened like based off what i was listening to you're in the wrong side of the house like we're working on outdoor unit you're writing down stuff for the indoor unit so uh that that's cool because you don't you're not misdirected into the wrong direction um you should you should go in with your blinders on anyways but sometimes you you don't do that so as a tech it's really helpful to be able to hear that kind of stuff but um all the the call boards and everything they're all in the cloud everybody has it on their laptop so um everybody has access to see the entire schedule like all of the the office staff have um access to see the entire schedule, the service expert, all their stuff comes to their tablet, everything. Financing is, is completely paperless. It goes through a tablet, credit cards, completely paperless. I mean, it's, there's no scan anything. It's like you have a, your card there. Um, they have little scanners, but um, then they don't have to write down anything. They don't have to save anything. Everything's encrypted. <clears throat> we don't have to worry about that. Um, what else checks checks can be scanned um they still have to save them and and we'll we'll meet up once um every two weeks or so and they'll hand us that kind of stuff uh, they have a little lock box um in their van that's just locked they can't get into nice. it and drop it right on in there um and so yeah i mean it's everything's in the cloud there's really no reason why like the service tech, you're like, wait, why they have to come to the office to see their, to get their printout of their dispatch <laughs> for the day. <laughs> Here's all yeah. your calls, go catch these. And then what happens when another call comes in that day? You're like, oh, well, come back to the shop to give me another piece of paper. You know, so. Hmm. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue into things like parts, warehouse, um, yeah. equipment. You, you know, let's, let's get into that stuff. Um, so this is one that, <laughs> that I really like because this gets thrown in my face a lot because you don't have a warehouse. Uh, so many storage units all over town and other towns too. So like you, when you think about most people's service area, they, they tend to a lot of time, not every time you see, you see this more than I do because you have to ask people what's your service area whenever you're working on their websites and that type of stuff. But a lot of times you'll see like, okay, this is my, my office and my service area has to be right around the office. Mm-hmm. And it, just, it has to be a circle that gets larger s- circumference around the office because the tech's going to come to the office and then they're going to leave from there. And we don't want crazy dispatch. 
Well, our technicians, they dispatch from home. So we can take and we can hire someone over here and then we morph our service area into like, it's got like fingers. So it just goes around the areas we don't want and goes to the areas we do want because we hire a service expert in that area. Well, logistically, how does it get back over here to get parts and then get back over there? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So we get a mini storage unit over there in this town and we have our vendor restock the mini storage unit every day, every week, once a week. And so then we get charged every time we restocks the, the storage unit and it'll have one truck's worth of inventory in it, depending on how many techs are in that area. So, um, that, storage unit stays stocked that and then he can't pull anything out of that storage unit until he goes into his inventory app and says i need i use this in this materials on the last job i need to restock it in my van uh, and so uh, then whenever we get our bill from the vendor and we look at our inventory pl- program and it's or the platform and it's like okay well that's not on there um, what happens there. So this area here is our, our potential weakness here. Um, we have basically one truck's worth of inventory that could be gone bad if it was in an area that was just one service expert was there and they like got disgruntled and wanted to go in and open it up and steal everything out of that. They could do that. Um, so that's our pain point, but we've already figured out that the, the way to fix that is we have vending units that um, we're, we're in the process of negotiating, getting those put in, but their vending units with and each employee would put their, their employee number in. And so it would not release the parts until they put their number in. And then we know exactly what parts were, were pulled out by what person. Uh, and so that does away with them ha- being able to steal everything, you know, at that, at that time. Mm, that's awesome. Have have you guys ever had any, have you had any issues like that? Like, did you learn the hard way in any of those areas or have you been fortunate based on? The, no, the I mean, one of our core values, integrity first, and we live and die by our core values. So, and like people, people will lie to you during an interview and you'll get somebody and they're like, they'll pull the wool over your eyes. You know that. And then a weekend you're like, Oh yeah, this is not, and, and the way that I do it is like, I don't tempt them to do something wrong, but if they come to me and say, well, why don't we just not worry about that right now? Like, let's just brush that one under the rug or we don't really have to do all the processes to start the system up correctly. I'm like, are you sure that matches integrity first? Like nobody's watching. Are you doing the right thing? And you're like, Hmm. No. And then, so if they bring it up to me again and we're like, okay, you got to go, you, you're going to like, if push come to shove, you're going, you're going to steal from me. Like that's just what it is. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we haven't had a lot of issues like that, but our, our culture is really tight to the guys in the field. They will, they'll call you on your crap faster than I will. Like they'll, they'll call you out so fast. Like that's not safety first. That's not integrity first. Like, you need to go. You need, and they'll call me like, this guy's got to go. He's going to wind up, he's going to kill our culture. And so it's like, okay, cool. Come. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's keep going down that path. And then I, I want to make sure we come back to one of the things that you had said earlier, which was like trash removal. Like, what are you doing with that stuff mm-hmm. afterwards? So, but let's keep going down this culture path for a minute. And 
So you said the guys in the field are really tight. You know, it sounds like the rest of your team is really tight, but nobody's physically in contact with each other most of the time. How are you, how are you building that culture? How are you building relationships between uh, service experts that, mm-hmm. that don't see each other at mm-hmm. the shop? Constant communication, competition, and, um, you know, weekly breakfast meetings. So, so you're doing, so physically one, uh, one day a week, you're doing a breakfast meeting. Yeah. Maybe except during the summers, <laughs> during the summers we'll take, um, yeah, right now, not right now. Um, during the summers we'll do, um, once a month. So because it gets so slammed, the guys actually get antsy at those meetings because they're like, we don't want to be here. We want to be out in the field working so that we can go home at a normal time. Um, yeah. And so that's one thing. Uh, another thing is, is um, the guys, they don't get more than four service calls a day. And this goes, this is more in the business side of things, how to run a profitable company, um, slow down to, to make more money. But it, it goes to culture also. So um, they only get four service calls a day. That's max. Uh, if a call comes in and they already have, if a call comes in at eight o'clock in the morning and they have four service calls on, on the board already, um, it's considered an emergency call. It's an after hours call. Even if we catch it during the middle of the day, it puts five calls on that guy's board. It turns into an emergency call, but you're going to catch it in the middle of the day only because the location makes sense to stop here Mm -hmm. instead of going there and then coming back. So, but if you catch the emergency call, it's the service expert has to agree on it. They have to agree to take the emergency call. Plus we charge an extra hundred dollars. So our, our service rate fluctuates depending on load and everything. So it was typically $89 for, for a consultation fee. Once it becomes an emergency, it becomes 189. That hundred dollars goes to the service expert and it goes to his family because we're taking time away from his family to, to um, take care of somebody's air conditioning heater. And so they accept the call, they get an extra hundred bucks. And so we just, on the next paycheck, that hundred dollars goes on their check. Um, and so, uh, they know like, like that's just, that, that builds into the culture. So they know that we're taking care of them. Like we're not out to make a dollar. We're not there. Like, yes, we want to serve the clients, but we also want to serve our number one client, which is our service expert. And so they know that they know they can come to us at anything with anything. Like we have a, a momentum gauge that is, um, it's basically the red, the red light, green light, yellow light emoji on, uh, on your Slack. Cause we communicate through Slack. Um, and that's, which is an app, a communication app. And so, um, as soon as they get to the job, we will send that emoji 15 minutes after they arrive. Then we send it at one hour after they arrive. And then we send it at two hours after the, after they're there. And then, uh, you know, it progresses like way. So an hour, each hour we send it again. Uh, and so they have to immediately reply with a green light, a yellow light or red light. So are they at the green level? Are they at the yellow level or the red level? They're at yellow level that we'll send them a text back. Like, Hey, what can we do? If they're at red level immediately myself or Julie one call immediately. And so it's like, okay, we're, we're going to call and we're going to take care of you know, your needs. Uh, we're, if I need to go somewhere, I'm going to the job site. So it's instantly, so they know that we're checking on them constantly and it's not a phone call, but it's just an, a quick emoji, you know, how are you doing? Red light, green light, yellow light. Mm. Um, and so, uh, that's, that helps with the, the guy's culture too. But, um, you know, it's deliberate, constant communication, um, 
sending them funny videos, them comp competing against each other. They give each other crap through the Slack messages. So we have one channel that's called banter where you just banter with each other and it's just goofy stuff. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I mean, really it's, it's the perfect job for an introvert that likes to go out and work with their hands. <laughs> but, uh, extroverts do great too. I mean, we have one guy that's extrovert and one guy that's, that's an extreme introvert and they both thrive um, with that, with that role. That's cool, man. Is there, have you ever had any issues like overcoming, like maybe you had a really good uh, service expert uh, that was new or you were about to bring on. Have you ever run into any issues on that side of things being remote where they had concerns or maybe you hired somebody that you thought would work that didn't work? I'm just thinking like people that are, people that are maybe contemplating going more this direction mm -hmm. when they think about their, their service experts, like, is there something that you've seen that definitely doesn't work with this position? I mean, I would think it would actually open up more opportunity for technicians yeah. to hire really good technicians because they would have the opportunity maybe to live a little further away, yep. work from home, support their family, you know, whatever that is, but anything on the pro or con side that you've run into on the technician or the service expert side. So one of the, the cons for a, a brick and mortar is that, like I was talking about that service area that it's kind of out there um, where like, so we have, so if we stayed in Savannah, then if I hired someone in the city called Statesboro, that's like an hour's drive, you know, a solid 45 minutes to an hour drive. Well, if I hired somebody in Statesboro and then I could market in Statesboro and he doesn't have to drive to Savannah every single day, like, he doesn't have to come there. Why would he come to Savannah? Because other than to catch a service call, like there's nowhere to come to Savannah to, to hang out. Like you do everything virtually. So why not start marketing in Statesboro now? And then another tech is hired in Statesboro. And then all of a sudden you're like, what? Like my service area is just morphed into 80 square miles. And now I have more service experts in those areas. And so, uh, and then you kind of like can close the door between those two hour long places. And, and there's no, there's the pain point of putting all the miles on the vehicles, which is kind of null point when it's a service van anyways, because you're driving all day. Um, but that goes back to us only catching four service calls versus 12 service calls. Um, but uh, you, you don't have to worry about them driving into town every single day and the fuel expense that comes with that every single day. You just start marketing in that area. I mean, granted, it's not going to happen instantly unless you had some killer PPC ad set up or some, LSA stuff set up by Wit Digital, um, but then you could come. <laughs> I'll in. take the shameless plug. <laughs> and then you could just turn that stuff on, and then now you have ads in Statesboro. Uh, but so, uh, if you're going to try and do it organically, it might not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So you might have that pain point for a second, but then you start morphing into that area. So it's really a, a pro, in my opinion. Uh, uh, a con, if there is a con, is you have to be a communicator. You have to be an over communicator. Um, there's, you have to debrief after every single service call because there's not somebody, I mean, yes, granted, we'll see them at the end of the day. Um, but they don't come to the office the next morning for us to say, Hey, yesterday you screwed up on this service call. Like, look how you wrote this. This is stupid. Like you messed all this stuff up. Like you don't, you, you don't have that ability anymore. So now we debrief after every single service call. So as soon as the service expert is done before he clicks complete, before he leaves the driveway, the, the dispatcher is on the phone with them debriefing from the service call. And so 
it's a training opportunity. We can train on the spot at that point too. Like if, if we get a red flag and the, the dispatcher's like calls me or, or messages me over Slack and says, Hey, you need to call so-and-so. Uh, I got a huge red flag. And so I call debrief and then we go through the training process instantly right there. Hmm, that's awesome. And I can hear some people maybe thinking like, Oh my gosh, this sounds like a lot of work and a lot of talking, but you, you gave, you mentioned a great point. You've got to be a, a communicator, both on your side, on the owner side. Also the people that you hire have to be communicators. But the one thing that I'll point out to people is that even though some of this stuff may seem like uh, a, an additional amount of time, a big additional amount of time, look at the flip side of it, of running a virtual um, company where you're not driving to an office every day. You don't have staff driving to an office every day. You don't, you, you, you're getting back so much more time. So before anybody sits there and thinks like, oh my gosh, I could never do a debrief after every call. Think about all the other time that you're saving Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also I guess the, the quality of work, right? Because right, exactly. if you're training every, every single time mm-hmm. that technician's quality is going to be, it's either going to go up really, really quick, or exactly. you're going to find out really quick that they're not yeah. a good fit. Exactly. And, and that's happened before where, where somebody has like come in and said they, they thought their skill level was a lot higher than what it actually was. And so as soon as we started doing the debrief, and we do everything over Bluetooth, like all of our tools are Bluetooth. And so like our diagnostic equipment is all in the cloud and you know, like it, everything is technology uh, uh, related. And so like you can't fudge any of this stuff because it, you're not writing down a, a subcoin superheat number. Literally, you're taking a screenshot of a Bluetooth instrument. So you know if it's right or wrong. Uh, and so it does away with, with a lot of the human error aspect of it. And um, doing that debrief, not only has it, it, it's great for interacting with each other since you don't see each other in the morning and training, but also money. Like it generates a lot more money because you're, you're like, oh, did you, because it's a full on checklist. Like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you ask for a review? Did you, you know? And so, um, all that stuff. And if they didn't, then they go back in and do what they were supposed to do. And, um, the customer, the client satisfaction, you know, shoots through the roof when you do that. Um, and then, you know, you make more money. And so it's, it, it wins in every aspect other than yes, you know, your CSR has to talk for a few extra minutes, um, to a service expert, but you know, what harm is that? You know, honestly, if you have a good CSR team, uh, but whenever you like, we're talking about this and we're talking about it and it's going to, and it's taking a long time, but when it's actually in action, it happens so fast. Like you don't even think oh. about it. It's, it's just, it's just a natural progression. And it's one more way where you're building culture because your yeah. CSRs are talking a lot more to your service experts. So it's creating that bond mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they're watching out for each other. They're, they're building their relationships. So there's a win-win there too. Yep. Um, all right. So We've gone through pretty much most of the process. I guarantee you people have all kinds of questions that I can hear it now. Like, wait, what do you, what Bluetooth tool are you using? What is this? Like, so I, I think maybe uh, we'll just see what questions come up with that later and maybe yeah. talk about that in a, a follow-up. But let's talk about uh, the end of the end of the day, the end of the call. Like uh, I got all this trash. Mm-hmm. How, how are you dealing with, with taking out the, the literal trash? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all of our vendors, we have agreements with all of our vendors. We can use their dumpsters. 
So it's one of the conversations that we had like, Hey, look, we're going to use you over this person if we can throw our trash in your dumpster. And like a lot of vendors, they're like, no, you can't throw trash in our, our dumpster because every service tech would throw the trash in the dumpster. Well, we just negotiated it with our, okay, we'll use you, but we have to go to the trash and dumpster. Um, for those techs that never are around a vendor or, you know, anything to do with that, um, we'll get dumpsters at the mini storage units. So they'll always have parking spots at these units uh, where you have the mini storages up and uh, we'll have a dumpster just put right there with our lock on it. And so you can get that and then dump it once every two months or something like that because they're not going to fill it up that fast. And that's, that's how it's taken care of. Oh, well, I guess that was easier than maybe I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, awesome, man. So I think as we kind of start to wrap up, I mean, is there anything else that you can think of that we missed for somebody maybe just specifically in these times of coronavirus that is overcoming challenges or maybe somebody that says, Hey, on the tail end of this, I really, I, I desire to become a virtual or a remote yeah. company. Anything else that you can think of that we haven't talked about? Um, just be patient um, and ask that your team be patient and understand that, you know, they may, they may be stressed out a little bit too. There's, I know that there's a lot of people that have talked about and have, and they, there's been a lot of talk about doing away with positions because I have a friend of mine at, uh, at the New York times and she was like, um, like they're going to do away with half of our staff because they're going to figure out that we can, we can run this magazine remotely. Like what now? Like now I don't have to stay in the office and like, I'm going to lose my job. And so there's going to be people that fear that throughout this virus. If you can run a company efficiently remotely and virtually, uh, they're going to fear that they're going to lose their job. Uh, and then just reassure them that that's not the case. That's not your goal. It's to run more efficiently and to make you more happy. Uh, and even if you, if you keep the office aspect. So one thing that we don't have it, for one is a non-negotiable. You is an instant fireable offense. Um, but another is you don't really have to deal with it anyways, because it's remote is gossip. So gossip is a non non-negotiable with our, our culture at all. And the way gossip is defined is if you talk about anything to anybody and they can't solve that solution, uh, solve that problem with a solution, uh, then that's gossiping. So if you're just talking to them to talk to them about some nonsense that they can't solve, that's gossiping. So you don't have that when you're virtually because you have the direct communication with the right person. You don't have the awesome, the, the office, you know, water talk type stuff, uh, and the trash can talk for the service experts. Uh, and so, um, it, it becomes where like when you see each other, it's not the negative stuff. It's the positive stuff because you're just, you're hanging out and, uh, you know, having, having a good time because you haven't seen each other like all the time. So that's awesome, man. That's so in line with what I believe and even our core values at WIT are, uh, yeah, gossip does not, that is, man, that is just a huge waste of time and it's such a culture killer. Yep. Yeah, it will ruin. You'll get cancer in that culture so fast uh, with one person that comes in with gossip. And it's like, oh. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome, man. Well, Tersh, thank you so much for coming and hanging out on your podcast uh, <laughs> and thank letting you for having uh, me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Letting me flip the tables a little bit. I think this is a super cool idea. And I, I know that it was, uh, I know that there was just a massive, massive amount of value in it today. And uh, what a perfect time to talk about this in a time where so many people uh, are forced into doing more stuff like this. And I know that this is going to help a lot of home service companies run their business better, build teams in the face of something crazy going on like right now. And uh, I'm going to go back to the exact thing that we started with. I think the number one thing and one of the most important things that I took out of this is uh, having the intention and always just asking a question or a better question about how can we do this. So when your intention is, hey, I desire to be or intend to be a virtual or a remote company, and that's the only intention you have, asking really great questions around how do we solve this? How do we solve this every time something comes up? Um, I just think that, that was so spot on when you said that. And, uh, you know, the other thing is be patient, right? If you really desire to do this, the great thing is that you have proven uh, over a long period of time with a very successful company that this is possible and it is possible to scale to a lot bigger than most companies will ever get. So there's really no, it, you, you've, you've gotten rid of all of the excuses. So if somebody out there intends to be a virtual or remote company, it is very possible for you. And Tersh just knocked it out of the park with a bunch of ways to do it. So learn from what he did well, learn from where they made mistakes and learn from where they corrected those and have fun. Um, I don't know, Tersh, how do you in your podcast? <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. The podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. Until we talk again next time, have a good day.